Bible Quest. This is the Tuesday edition where we talk with you about the Bible and its relevance for today every Tuesday at 2. My name is Justin Doms, and let me invite you to interact with us live. You can use the live chat on YouTube. We'll be watching that throughout today's uh, broadcast. Uh, we'll also be checking into BibleQuest.tv. So if you want to leave us a comment there or just ask a question, raise a concern, we'd be happy to talk with you about those things uh, in your journey to know the Lord and his word. Today we have with us Scott Smelser. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing well, Justin. How about you? Good. Doing fine. Doing fine. Been a busy morning, busy week, but uh, glad to get a chance to talk with you about some things today. And uh, today we've got kind of a special uh, topic lined up for us. You've been wanting to do this one for a little while. What, what are we doing today? Yeah, and you finally helped us get past the technical difficulties. So <laughs> we're going to be talking about the so-called lost gospels. Uh, you'll hear about them online. Uh, if you take a college class, you might hear about them. Uh, or if you remember the Da Vinci Code book or movie, you would have heard about them if you paid attention to any of that. So let's jump right into it. What about the lost gospels? Now, let's first talk about what we're not talking about. The question here is not, did Jesus and his apostles say and do things that we don't have a record of? And what's the answer to that, Justin? Did Jesus I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he did things, and the apostles did things that we don't know about. John said so himself. Yeah. And so we have here at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. And he goes on to say, you know, there wouldn't be room to write about all of them. We don't have to have... I mean, if we know about he healed this blind man and that lame man and that leper, do we have to know about leper number 432 in detail or blind man right. 30? Uh, Acts 2, uh, we have Peter's sermon, but then Luke says, with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. Luke didn't write those words down. Why? It was just, I mean, he didn't need to. There's so many other things. And, and this was sufficient, right? The, the words of what we have are sufficient to lead us to faith and salvation. Yeah. And he'll give one sermon from Paul in the synagogue and one sermon from Paul to Gentiles. Paul did a lot more than one sermon in the synagogue and one sermon to Gentiles, but those are samples. First uh, Corinthians mentions a previous letter. So it's not that we have to have everything that Jesus or his apostles said and did. We've got, it's like John said, I wrote these things so you'll believe. So that's not the issue. All right, next slide. What we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at two things. The minor focus is going to be on this book, The Lost Books of the Bible. Uh, it was published in 1926 and then again in 1979. It includes, besides a few historical documents that aren't scripture, uh, some total nonsense and it's not to be taken seriously. Uh, the editor in 1926 mentions at the beginning, he says, you know, reading this, you'll see how inferior it is to the Bible. Whereas the editor, or at least the back blurb on the back of the 1979 one, acts like, oh, these are by some of the famous people in the Bible and, and, and makes you think you're missing out on something. Let's mm -hmm. take a look at what we have in here. Uh, we're going to be looking today at two things called the Gospel of Thomas. Very, very different. Okay. You're taking a university course or something, and they start talking about the Gospel of Thomas. This is not the one they're talking about. We'll get to that later. 
They're both positives. But this is the infancy gospel, Thomas, which later somebody decided to fill in the gap. We know about Jesus as a baby. We know about Jesus in his 30s, what was in between. So, Justin, start reading through the infancy gospel of Thomas for us, and it'll kind of speak for itself. Okay, so here we've got uh, I, Thomas the Israelite, make known unto you the works of the childhood of our Lord Jesus Christ. This little child Jesus, when he was five years old, was playing at the ford of a brook, and he gathered together the waters there into pools, and having made soft clay, he fashioned thereof twelve sparrows. Sounds symbolic. Um, Jesus clapped his hands together and cried out to the sparrows and said to them, Go, and the sparrows took their flight and went away chirping. But the son of Annas, the scribe, was standing there with Joseph, and he took a branch and dispersed the waters which Jesus had gathered. Sounds like something a kid would do if he didn't <laughs> like him. Uh, and when Jesus saw what was done, he was wroth and said unto him, O evil, ungodly, and foolish one, now also thou shalt be withered like a tree. And straightway that lad withered up wholly, but Jesus departed and went into Joseph's house. So Jesus, like, curses this guy, this little yeah, boy. Yeah, little five-year-old. All right, and then let's see what happens next. After that, again, he went through the village, and a child ran and dashed against his shoulder. And Jesus was provoked and said unto him, Thou shalt not finish thy course. Oh, my. Uh, and immediately he fell down and died. Um, yeah. And the parents, okay, go ahead. The parents of him that was dead came unto Joseph, saying, Thou that hast such a child canst not dwell with us in the village, or do thou teach him to bless and not to curse, for he slayeth our children. I think Joseph, that's reasonable. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. your five-year-old just killed my child, and say, you know, you need to either teach him to bless and not curse, because he's killing our kids. Yeah, it's almost too too reasonable. Like if, if the neighborhood kid killed my kid, I wouldn't just be like, excuse me, would you mind moving? Like, Or <laughs> Joseph called the young child apart and admonished him. But Jesus said, I know that these thy words are not thine. Nevertheless, for thy sake, I will hold my peace, but they shall bear their punishment. And straightway, they that accused him were smitten with blindness. You've got to be kidding me. Who? Wow. Yeah. So it's we're not missing anything by not having the infancy gospel of Thomas no. Bibles. This is not what happened. This is some nutcases imagination, you know, some probably hundreds of years later making up, well, what would a child with great power do? Right, and, and it's one thing is we never see Jesus doing anything miraculous before uh, he receives the spirit at his baptism. And so, that, that's one thing to note. But two, the character of Jesus here just does not fit with the character we see of Jesus later or of his teaching. Uh, so this this is just this yeah. is a puzzle piece. Cool. If you were to try to bring it into the gospel, I mean, it's, it's going to tear a hole in it. it. It's fiction and it's blasphemy. Okay. All right. So this is not where we're going to focus. And this is not usually what people mean. If you if you see a news magazine or a, a, in a college course or high school or something, you talk about, well, there were these other Gospels. They're usually not talking about that. Instead, they're talking about often the Nag Hammadi texts. Let's go to the next slide. The Nag Hammadi texts were found in 1945 at Nag Hammadi in Egypt. Now, they are also Nazis, but sometimes 
among certain people, they allege that these are important. Some people will claim that these are earlier or could be earlier than our biblical gospels. Right, and I have heard of these. Now, the first first one that was weird. I, that's that's some of that's new to me. But this one, some of the sayings in the Nag Hammadi are like legit. They're they're from what you read, like in the Gospel of Matthew or Luke. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be looking at that toward the end of the program. We'll, we'll the, the Gospel of Thomas in particular. We'll look at not infancy gospel, but the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas. And it's 114 sayings. Some right. of them are. The same things you read in here, and some of them are. We'll get to that in a minute. All right, so this is our focus. Those books right there, we'll we'll see the story on how they were discovered in just a minute. It was found in 1945. Next slide. So there's Nag Hammadi, Egypt, and here's a close in and a zoom. And at this uh, clip side over there, the fella in the in the middle of that photograph is the guy that he and some others found. They were digging for some nitrates. His name, by the way, is Muhammad Ali. Not the boxer, but another guy named Muhammad Ali. That's a pretty fascinating background story to how this went, but for sake of time, we won't go all through that today. Okay. Um, but here in the book Da Vinci Code, uh, which claims at the beginning that it says it's a work of fiction, but everything it says about documents is historically true, and it's absolutely not. So it has the historian saying this. These are photocopies of the Nag Hammadi and Dead Sea Scrolls, which I mentioned earlier, Teabing said, the earliest Christian records. Troublingly, they do not match up with the Gospels in the Bible. Okay, neither the Nag Hammadi text or the Dead Sea Scrolls are the earliest Christian records. Uh, why aren't the Dead Sea Scrolls the earliest Christian records, Justin? Well, if you're going to say Christian in a very broad sense, I could see how you might say that. But but the Dead Sea Scrolls are the Hebrew Scriptures, it's Old Testament. They're Hebrew Scriptures and commentaries on Hebrew Scriptures and sectarian documents of the Essenes there at Qumran. Uh, they're largely written before Jesus ever lived. Right. So how can they be... Christian, right? They're 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 Jewish. They're the records of a Jewish sect, which includes Bible books, commentary on Bible books, but a lot of documents of their own rules for their group. All right, let's proceed. Um, we're going to look here to introduce this. I like before refuting something to present the other side's viewpoint, so you see what they're saying. So this is a BBC documentary called The Lost Gospels, and uh, it goes like this. It was when I was went hitchhiking that I first read the New Testament. The driver who picked me up said, if I wanted to find out about God, I should read the Gospels. When I read home, I read. I got home, I read the four Gospels. That day was the first step on a journey that led me to ordination as a priest of the Church of England. But what I didn't know then is that these Gospels are only a fraction of the information we have about Jesus. Next. I, I, by the way, I like how they've recreated that moment where he's hitchhiking. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, it, this is presented to be like, wow, this fascinating thing. And oh, all this new information. The New Testament, four Gospels, letters by Apostle Paul, Peter, James, and the book of Revelation. It's a collection of texts our society has taken utterly for granted. This set of texts are those I've had to observe, absorb since becoming a priest in the Church of England. But throughout all my theological training, 
we've never really discussed. I never really knew about the countless other books that didn't make it into the New Testament. This film is my journey to uncover this treasure trove of lost literature. My journey begins in Egypt. Alexandria was home to Athanasius, one of the most powerful bishops in Christian history. In 367, remember this day, in 367, he had something controversial to say, a list. The 27 books which we now know make up the canon of the New Testament scripture. And he made it clear. He made it very clear that it was these and only these that the church approved of as scripture. Any other book, he said, should not be read. At a single stroke, he condemned a wealth of literature that had, up until that point, been regarded as Christian. Next. Uh, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were permitted, but those of Mary, Philip, and Peter were condemned. Athanasius' edict was remarkable because it was the first time in, in anyone in the church's top echelons of the church hierarchy had suggested only certain books would be tolerated. After nearly 2,000 years, those texts remained a complete mystery. All we had were scant references to them found in the writings of their enemies. And perhaps that might have remained the case if it weren't for a chance find in December 1945, a discovery that forced scholars to completely rethink the nature of early Christianity. And then he goes to Nag Hammadi, 300 miles south of Cairo. It is an area called Nag Hammadi. Found buried here a library of papyri books containing more than 50 individual works. I'll come here with Professor Bart Ehrman. Then Ehrman says, well, this is where they discovered the manuscripts. There were some farmhands digging for a nitrate-rich soil. One of them hit something. It was a skeleton. Next to the skeleton, they found an earthenware jar. They were afraid to open the jar because they thought there might be an evil genie inside. After some reflection, they realized there might be gold inside. They smashed it with their mattocks. And there was gold or genie. There were some codices, some books. So the manuscripts date from the fourth century, but some scholars believe they may have been composed much earlier. They include several gospels, but the man they describe is unrecognizable from the man described in the traditional books of the New Testament. This was a Jesus that didn't die, who took revenge on his enemies, who kissed Mary Magdalene on the mouth. These are shocking and challenging texts, never seen before by a Western scholar. And although it was known they'd existed, they'd been lost for nearly one and a half thousand years. He goes to the Coptic Museum, and you can see some of them there. Among the manuscripts is the Gospel of Thomas, Unusual because it was discovered in its entirety. It's attributed to, although not proven to be, the work of one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas. It's a collection of 114 sayings. Next. Although the physical manuscript of Thomas can be dated to the early 4th century, there's speculation that the content of the gospel is far older. The logic goes that if it was written in the 1st century, it could well be older than the canonical gospel. And if that's the case, it's the nearest we will ever get to the historical Jesus. A lot now, of ifs. Go ahead. It's just, it's just a lot of ifs. You know, if, if, if. Yeah. You know, if it's is, early, and if it's yeah. earlier, it would be earlier. Yeah. It's, 
it's a kind of thinking that's looking for uh, a reason to believe something other than the truth. And I'm not saying that this completely, you know, knocks it off. If is a reasonable question, but his comments at the end kind of points in that direction. We'll see that in a few minutes. Okay. So we prepare uh, interviews this professor Stephen Immel. Is this the earliest info about Jesus we have? And the press says it, it could be because this form, transmitting simply what Jesus said, is what scholars for 100 years assume would see more and so forth. So the Gospel of Thomas could well be historically older, earlier than any of the Gospels in the Bible. Fast forward to the last interview. How did the early church leaders decide which texts were the genuine work apostles, which weren't? What about the Gospel of Thomas and of Peter? And Justin, if you'll read, this last professor makes an important point. And I'm glad it's at least in there. Yeah. Uh, so he says the Gospel of Peter, Gospel of Thomas, they were not included. One of the things they had going against them was that it appears they were written actually in their present form, at least, significantly later than the canonical Gospels. So that is kind of significant. But at the end, he says, from my perspective, it's easy to be seduced by these lost Gospels. Perhaps if the Orthodox had allowed contradictory texts to flourish, Christianity would be seen as less authoritarian, a more popular message. So he's not really looking for what is the most accurate historical picture of Jesus. He's saying, what is the, the caricature of Jesus that we can draw that allows for more inclusivity? There's a professor uh, who several years ago was quoted in one of the news magazines who specializes in the, the, these Gnostic texts. And she said, Gnosticism is kind of making a more popular comeback because it allows you to be spiritual without the need of morality rules. How many people have you run into like that? They want to be spiritual on some level, but that doesn't mean they want to like repent of sin. Sure. Yeah. All right. And by the way, some of the Gnostics were very, very um, strict, and some of them were very, very, very promiscuous. It varied. We don't have time to get into all that today. Any comments here before we go ahead, Justin? Uh, well, there was something earlier that was stated. Um, oh, about how, yeah, the, the, the professor was saying that these things were written later and not from Thomas himself. I mean, that's a pretty significant thing where Athanasius is saying, here are the 27 books. And the reason that early Christians accepted those books, not just Athanasius, he's not defining the canon of scripture. He's just recognizing, here's what Christians in general have accepted as being from apostles or prophets. Well, it matters that, that John or Matthew wrote those things. Long before Athanasius wrote that letter, um, there was a general acceptance. Now, if you could look at uh, some of the early discussions, there's a few books, there's about seven, where some people received them and some didn't, uh, like the epistles of, of John, like second and third John, they're so tiny, or uh, Hebrews because it had it's anonymous, um, or the book of Revelation, etc. But by and large, there was general acceptance uh, 
But let's let's proceed now, and let's review one thing before we actually start looking at the next Nakamata text. So this one claim where he said it was in 367, and until then, you know, nobody had said you got to restrict yourself. Well, let's just take a look at some facts. Next slide. Uh, there we go. There's uh, Irenaeus, or Irenaeus, however you want to pronounce him. Look what he says in 180. Now, for, you know, if you're not a math whiz, 180 comes way, way, way before 367. Good to know. Very good to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not possible that the Gospels can be either fewer or in more or fewer in number than they are. And he goes through and talks about why there's four. Now, some of his reasoning is kind of odd. He says, like, there's four directions, you know, uh, so there's four Gospels. Well, that's his speculation. But notice he's just recognizing and insisting on what people generally you know, he says there's four. Uh, so next slide. This is the uh, moratorium fragment. Don't have time to explain how we know when it was written, but it's there's ways to, and if somebody wants to ask a question, we can go into it. It's, so it's written about 170 AD. And you know, th this, this last slide about uh, the four, I mean, his reasoning is weird, but it's still, that, that's pretty early on saying that we only know of four. Well, he's not saying that we only know for Irenaeus is writing against heresies. Right, right, right. Gnostics. So we only acknowledge for. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then uh, back to, go back to the Mortorn fragment. Right there we go. This uh, book here, written in the 7th century, has a quotation of an earlier fragment. The beginning is missing, so it doesn't have the reference to Matthew and Mark. But it begins like this. The third book of the gospel is that according to Luke. And then the fourth is by John. So that's 1780. So this claim that Athanasius is the first guy to say it's these books, not those, is, is kind of ridiculous. All right, let's move on. All right, so now we're going to start looking at the Nag Hammadi Library itself. Next slide. Uh, here's how we know when those books were written. The binding in them that you, you here's your pages and even a handwritten book it had a cover and a binding and pages and it stitched together and they would use other documents for the binding and I, i've seen old books uh like from the late 1800s early 1900s where if you pull it apart it, instead of using brand new paper they use parts of other books from that they're able to date when this is so those books that you see in the picture are from around 350 AD. Let's proceed. Here's the books that you've got. Um, we're not going to look at all of them, but we're going to look at these. The Apocrypha of John, the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Philip, Eugnostus, and so the Sophia Wisdom of Jesus Christ. Next slide. Uh, what we'll notice here, they're written later. They're not by the apostles. They're unreliable, and they don't just contradict the New Testament. They also contradict Genesis. So it's not like, oh, here's this early document that gives us, it's going to rewrite the story of the flood. <laughs> you know, and so it's, uh, and it includes polytheism, that there's a bunch of gods and just absolute nonsense. Let's proceed. Uh, the 
uh, any comments just so far? All right, so here, this is from the Apocrypha of John. Again and again, it'll say, not as Moses said. So it knows the Bible says Moses said this, and it's going to say, no, Moses was wrong. For example, here's where Moses is wrong. It is not as Moses said they hid themselves in an ark. No, they hid themselves in a luminous cloud. You know, if, there's, if it's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights, and I got a choice between getting in the ark or getting in a cloud, man, I'm, I'm going for the ark. Go for the ark every time. I'm going for the ark. Uh, so these Gnostics, whose books we have from 350 AD, should not undermine our understanding of what Genesis had said for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Next slide. Um, substitutes from a different textbook's words in Jesus' mouth. Click and, and here we go. Eugnostus, that's one of the books in of the 50-something books. It begins as a formal letter by a teacher. It is without apparent Christian influence. This is from the introduction in the volume uh, Nagamadi Library. It was used by a Christian Gnostic editor to make the Sophia of Jesus Christ. Click again. And and that Sophia of Jesus Christ, that Sophia just means wisdom, right? So this is like wise yeah. things. Yeah, so these are two different books in the Nagamadi Library. You notice this, there's nothing Christian, uh, but it doesn't, there's, it, the, it's, it's a document with some okay. spiritual ideas, but nothing about Christ. But okay. then the Sophia of Jesus Christ, another Gnostic document, he said, if you place the two tractates together, it allows you to see the process, how they took a non-Christian document and modified it to be a Christian document. We'll see that right now. Let's look at the next slide. So there's the text from Eugnostus the Blessed. All right? Eugnostus the Blessed, to those who are his, rejoice in this that you know greetings. And Justin, if you want to read that for us there. Oh, see. So uh, I want you to know that all men born from the foundation of the world until now are dust. Well, they've inquired about God, who he is, what it's like. They have not found him. The wisest among them have speculated about the truth from the ordering of the world. And the speculation has not reached the truth. The ordering is spoken of in three different opinions by all the philosophers. Hence, they do not agree. Okay, so that's just this kind of philosophical, spiritual document that has nothing Christ about it. Now let's look at the next document. Another book in the Gnostic Library is the Sophia of Jesus. And the guy who wrote it, all he did was put these words in Jesus' mouth. So he says, after he rose from the dead, the Savior appeared. They marveled and were afraid. The Savior laughed and said, what are you thinking about? What are you searching for? And Philip said, for the underlying reality of the universe and the plan. The Savior said to them, wait. I want you to know that all men are born from the foundation of the world until now being done. I mean, this is exactly it's, the intro, yeah. right? Yeah. So he just, so this is a perfect example. You can historically see what happened. Jesus didn't say this. This is not written by an apostle who was with Jesus and remembers Jesus saying this. Right. This was from a different document and a Gnostic editor just copied and pasted. All right. Next slide. Um, so some of the Gnostic traits, they had a special appeal to knowledge. 
there's they know things other people don't mystic secrets knowledge deep things many levels of deities and powers they taught that the creator of this world was evil in some of these documents the god of the old testament said it was an evil god one of many he thought he was the only god but he was ignorant he didn't know about the other gods salvation is through knowledge it's a mess if you've ever met somebody that they, they like to think of themselves as a philosopher. They want to think they're smarter than they are. And they want to think they've got special secrets most people don't understand. And they're so deep. That's the kind of person that would... Gnosticism fills your bucket. Yeah, there actually there, there are quite a few um, Christian cults that came up during the 19th century that remind me a lot of this. It's yeah. Like, uh, Mormonism... Um, the uh, Watchtower Society, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, a lot of this, it kind of appeals to that. I know something you don't know. And if I used to think like you, but now that I've learned something, yeah. yes, I've, 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 I've learned the secret things. And if you'll just let me teach you, then you'll yeah. learn them too. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So now let's get into the actually looking at it. Oh, by the way, New Testament refers to Gnosticism. In Colossians 2, 2 Timothy 2, the people saying the resurrection was past. Those are said it Jesus wanting in the flesh. Uh, here, 2 Timothy 6, what is falsely called knowledge, the Greek word gnostic is right. to the it's the Greek word gnosko is the word Greek for I know. Um, so it's this is referencing Gnosticism. Let's proceed. We gotta move quickly here. All right, Gnostic Gospel of Philip. Obviously written, written later, clearly written after other accounts, because look at these three quotes. The apostles who were before us had these names for him, Jesus the Nazarene Messiah. The problem, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. So whoever wrote that sentence wasn't claiming to be one of the original 12 apostles. Which means he's not an eyewitness to what Jesus had said. All right, next one. And they were, this is a reference to the Good Samaritan story. Like before this and after this, there's nothing about the Good Samaritan. It's a discussion of the Holy Spirit. But as it's referring to this, it's, it gives an allusion to how the Samaritan give it, didn't give anything but wine and oil. You and I refer to the parable of this Good Samaritan off and on a number of times in our preaching. We don't always go back and tell the whole story. Sometimes we do when we're preaching right. the Good Samaritan, but when we just refer to it, we can do that because why? Everybody knows about it. Yeah, we're talking to an audience that already has that story. Uh, and then here is a quote, Matthew, Matthew 3, you know, already the ax is laid at the root of the trees, John the Baptist. All right, next slide. Um, from the Apocryphon of John, this is from this blasphemous document this is where the god that created the world came from sophia con oh because there's a bunch of gods in gnosticism sophia consort of the great spirit wanted to have a baby but he doesn't want to so she does it without his con uh, consent and she hides it in a luminous cloud uh-huh but it was imperfect and different and it was like a lion-faced serpent, and she she hid it so that the none of the immortals might see it, and she called it Yaltabaoth. 
But inside this luminous cloud, it thought it was the only God and it didn't see the other gods. And it becomes the God of the Old Testament and thinks, wow. you know, yeah, blasphemy, just horrible, horrible stuff. Next slide. Um, oh, here's man being created. Uh, a bunch of angels helped out on this. Uh, Edda, what's his face, made the head. Maniga, what's his face, made the brain. <laughs> what's his face, made the right eye. And Thaspamoka made the left eye. Uh, Geronimus made the right ear, Bissum the left ear, Echirium made the nose, somebody else the lips, somebody else the teeth. Uh, Abitrium made the right underarm, and Avantin made the left underarm. What is going on here? It's just, it's so it's like when somebody says, Ooh, we found these documents with this special. This is not special knowledge. This is, yeah. this is not something. It's, Ooh, look what was kept secret. This is garbage. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, if you're going through the back of the dumpster at McDonald's, you shouldn't think, Oh, look at the wonderful treasures being thrown away. No, it's, there's a reason it's there. Uh, Gospel of Philip. Some said Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. They are in error. Those who say the Lord died first and rose up are in error. For he rose up first and then died. Oh, that's deep. Oh, it's deep. Those who say they will die first and then rise are in error. It's blasphemous it appeals to pride it's just garbage let's proceed uh now we get to the most celebrated of the text this is the one that some of the professors and stuff you know say oh this one it, it's the form it's just saying this could be earlier now i don't expect anybody to be able to read that i know the font is very small i just wanted you to see how short the whole gospel of thomas is that's the whole thing right there. It's 114 sayings. Right click. Um, and in this gospel, there's no Nazareth, no Sea of Galilee, no Jerusalem, no healings, no crucifixion, no empty tombs. In other words, it's totally disconnected from any narrative. It's just dropped in as it's quotations. Sayings. Kind of like some parts of Proverbs. Here's a proverb, here's a proverb, here's a proverb. All right, next. Some of them are parallel or new, near parallel to New Testament texts. For example, uh, okay. yeah. six, you see the moat in your brother's eye, but you don't see it in your own eye. Right. Uh, 31, no prophet except in his own village. 34, man Yeah. Uh, rich man had a bunch of money. I'll have sit back and have nothing. He died that same night. Uh, 107. A shepherd has a hundred sheep, one goes astray. Uh, 44, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. 73, the harp. So a lot of them are things from the Gospels that Jesus said. All right, let's continue. But there's structure, little or no narrative. For example, there, there's not a gap here. It goes straight from 31 to 32 to 33 to 34. So you don't have a context. Jesus said no prophet is except in his own village, no possession to heal souls or no end. Jesus said a city built on a high mountain and fortified hill cannot fall, nor can it be hidden. Jesus said preach from your housetops. And then 34, Jesus said if a blind man leads a blind man. 
So it sounds very much like Proverbs. Uh, kind of, uh, except um, in Proverbs, you can, like, if you look at the biblical text in the Gospels, you know why he says no property accepted in its own village. Right. Because Jesus is at Nazareth. Uh, the Proverbs are self-contained. Those little ones, like where it says, a beautiful woman without discretion is like a ring of gold in a pig's nose. Right. The verse before it is not about that. The verse after it is not about that, but it's self-contained. Hmm. That's all you need to go. No. All right, let's continue. Uh, one of them, next slide, one of them sounds plausible. If somebody had written down some other sayings of Jesus and it got passed around among different people and eventually this Gnostic had it, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Jesus could have said this because it's a pretty good sign. It's impossible for a man to mount two horses or stretch two boats. You can't serve two masters. Now, this is written in a bunch of as we're about, along with some biblical statements, along with a bunch of garbage. And our first copy of it is from about 350 AD. So I'm not saying Jesus said this. Right. And I'm also not going to say he could have said this. But it yeah, so it's not reliable. It's, it's kind of like uh, John 8, right, where there's not good evidence yeah. that the story of the adulterous woman in John 8 was really written by John, but that's a story that it could have happened. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've seen that some of it is actual biblical statements. One of it, hey, you can see maybe Jesus would have said that. But watch this. This next few things, the, the last few minutes here of this podcast or webcast, whether you listen live or not, this is where the gold is. We're going to look at how you have familiar narratives, but then they miss the application. And then we're going to see some nonsense, and you will be convinced for yourself the value of this. All right, here we go. The rejected invitation. A man received visitors. He prepared a dinner, sent out the invitation. Uh, but somebody says, I have claims against some merchants that are coming up. I have to be excused. Uh, somebody says, I just bought a house. Uh, I won't have any spare time. Uh, another files invited. My friend is getting married. I have to prepare for that. Uh, I just bought a farm. And then the servant came back to his master and said, those who invited has to be excused. He said, go out to the streets and bring back those who happen to meet so they may die. And that sounds quite similar to the marriage feast in Matthew 22. All right. Now, here's the point. But here's, here's the conclusion in the Gospel of Thomas. Businessmen and merchants will not enter the places of my father. Sounds like you missed the boat on that one. Yeah, because <laughs> the rejected marriage feast is about the Jews rejecting it, and so it goes out to the Gentiles. Yeah. <laughs> and this turns into no businessmen are going to go into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Let's look at another one. Um, if the owner of the house knew when the thief was coming, he, he wouldn't let him get the stuff. Right. Jesus said, what was the context in which Jesus is saying that? You know, be ready. Right. Uh, here it is in the Gospel of Thomas. 
Be on guard against the world. Arm yourselves with great strength, lest robbers find a way to come to you. So, so Jesus was in favor of like, you know, armed security and that sort of thing. Home security. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know when the robbers coming, so hey, be ready. I mean, why did this not make it into the to our Bibles? Like, you know. Yeah. All right. Next one. Um, the treasure in the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who had a hidden treasure in the field without knowing it. All right. And the point was, you know, the point. Well, yeah. Here's, yeah. Here's how it goes in the Gospel of Thomas. After he died, he left it to his son. The son didn't know about the treasure. He inherited the field and sold it. The one who bought it was plowing, found the treasure. He began to lend money to interest whoever he wished. That's it. That's fine. Have you ever heard of a joke and they get halfway through the joke and then they forget the punchline? Right. Or, or have you ever used an illustration in teaching a class? And then someone latches onto the illustration and they start applying it even further than you meant to yeah. with it. And he's like, oh, wait, no, no, I'm sorry. No, forget the illustration. Yeah, we're going. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's continue. Um, and, and this is, our, I think, our last slide, maybe. Jesus said, if you fast, uh, and by the way, Jesus did not say this. This is from this Gnostic garbage heap. But in it, it says, Jesus said to them, if you fast, you will give rise to sin for yourselves. If you pray, you will be condemned. If you give alms, you will do harm to your spirits. That's not what Jesus said. Number 19, blessed is he who came into being before he came into being. Oh, see, that's deep. I don't, I don't get it. See how deep that is? It's Say so it slower. deep. <laughs> you didn't get it. Here's my favorite parable in the Gospel of Thomas. 97. Jesus said, the kingdom of the Father is like a certain woman who is carrying a jar full of meal. While she was walking on the road, still some distance from home, the handle of the jar broke. The meal emptied out behind her on the road. She did not realize it. She had noticed no accident. When she reached her house, she set down the jar and found it empty. I <laughs> to eat for you. So I think this is referring to your Bible cases that have a handle on them, and you want to make sure that you really zip that thing up tight That's, so you don't yeah. drop your Bible out. Number 98. She said, the kingdom of the Father is like a certain man who wanted to kill a powerful man. In his own house, he drew his sword and stuck it into the wall in order to find out whether his hand could carry through. Then he slew the powerful man. I mean, that is exactly like the kingdom. Like, I totally see that. <laughs> Can you get a better parallel? Uh, and then I believe this should be the, the, here's the grand finale. This is the, don't go back one, go back one, go back one. This is the grand finale. This is the very last saying in the Gospel of Thomas. And the Gospel okay. of Thomas is not going to go to Jerusalem. 
He does, it, you don't have the crucifixion. You don't have a raised from the dead. You don't have him commissioning the apostles. This is the finale okay. of the times. Simon Peter said to him, let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. Jesus said, I myself shall lead her in order to make her male, so that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. And and this is supposed to be the uh, like the gospel. This is like that. this is their big one that they're kind of excited about. This is this is kind of the cream of the crop. I mean, not only would we would we reject this just outright as ridiculous, but it again it just it does not fit at all yeah. with New Testament teaching. Now, if you're on board with the current transgender movement. Um, you you might really like saying number one fourteen. It, it, it's almost like you know uh, there are a multitude of genders, right? There, there are a myriad of genders available. There's a spectrum. Jesus is saying no, there's just one gender, male. And and if a woman becomes a, it's it's just these things are blasphemous. It's ridiculous. This is a people who have had some association with some biblical truths, but they have gone on and like it talks about in, in John's epistles, they've gone onward and they, and 350 years later, these books, these copies are written down and then they're found later. And then people want to act like that. This is something important that was kept from us. Uh, this is garbage. Right. I would say maybe it's important in the sense that it shows that you know there are a lot of false gospels parading out there today. Yeah. But that's always been the case. You know, it's important in, in the sense that it it encourages us to hold fast to the truth that's been revealed and preserved because that's what Christians have always needed to do. Yeah. And in fact, we'll end with the next slide. What does it say in Galatians 1 8? Um yeah, that uh, if anyone brings another gospel, let him be accursed. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks for much for the time and assistance, Justin. Yeah, well, this was uh, entertaining to some degree, but also sad. Like you said, these, these things are blasphemous. And let me just repeat what, what you said, Scott, is when we're saying Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't say those things. Those, those are things that these false gospels are uh, postulating. If you want to know what Jesus said, read his eyewitness accounts. You know, read read the testimony of the apostles and uh, and learn for yourself. Scott, any closing thoughts here? Um, just that, like for instance, John mentions I was an eyewitness. Luke mentions he's not an eyewitness, but he got information from eyewitnesses. And then, of course, mm -hmm. later in the book of uh, Acts, you'll get to be some eyewitness there. But there's a there's a re it's just astounding the level of difference between these documents and that garbage. Thanks and a lot.
And, and then Ephesians 4, of course, you know, the better we know the truth, the less likely we're going to be to be tossed around yeah. by every wind of doctrine. So read your Bible and uh, you'll be able to spot these, these lies pretty quickly. That concludes our discussion for today. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, tuning in. If you found the study of God's Word helpful, please do share it with others. And again, if you have thoughts or questions you'd like to share or requests for future studies and discussions, you can visit our website, BibleQuest.tv. Thanks for joining in. God be with you. And if he's willing, we'll see you next week.